When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? The No Huddle Show. I'm Elliot Short Parks here with Matt Lombardo. The pre-Christmas edition of the No Huddle Show. The last one before the Christmas season. So, should be good. lot to talk about. Obviously, the Eagles don't play on Sunday. They play this week on Monday, Christmas Day. Which means we're going to have some work to do on Monday. But, plenty to talk about with this game. So, Matt, as always, Fan Friday. We are going to read a review from each fan. Why don't you kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off with MP215. He says the headline of the review is, Overall Good Show. I've never been a podcast listener prior to this year, but that's changed after discovering you guys on iTunes. I'm currently in the military, so I'm far away from home, and it's been enjoyable listening to this show. Although I may disagree at times with some of your opinions, it's reassuring knowing I always have something interesting to listen to if I end up getting deployed again. Keep up the good work, fellas. Thanks for the podcast. So, Very nice. Uh, thanks for your service, MP215, wherever you're listening to us, wherever you're deployed. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody that's out there fighting alongside you. So I'm going to read two because they're both really short, and I think they kind of – they kind of show what these reviews have been like and what the fan reaction, I think, in general, not just with us, but just kind of in general over this past two weeks has been. So the first one is just started listening by I am a legend. Wait for it. I like it. Nice. Five stars. The best podcast I've found about the Eagles. I think you guys do a good job going back and forth on their struggles and successes. I'll be tuning in every time you guys make a new one. Now we have another one by Coastal Elite 39 and it's titled Done. One star. I'm officially done with this show. Where do I begin? The pessimistic attitudes, the hypotheticals, the sound quality. Come on, that's crazy. We have nice mics. <laughs> come on, like don't don't come at my man Andrew who does the like that's that's crazy. The petty arguing. I don't think these guys are even I don't think these guys even like the Eagles. I'm not sure that they enjoy anything. Of all the NFL related podcasts I listen to, the No Huddle show is hands down the most frustrating and difficult to listen. Hashtag fly Eagles fly. Hey, you know, I get paid whether the Eagles win or lose. <laughs> right, exactly. Your paycheck clears every other Friday exactly. whether they win or lose, right? Especially Christmas season, I need that paycheck yeah, clear too so no but i think you know just that just kind of shows i think eagles fans right now they're optimistic and i think they're talking themselves into it but they're definitely frustrated and i think a little a little bit upset clearly about everything that's happened um so let's start let's just kind of kick it off with the news of the week and the big news i would say is ronald darby um yep. and he kind of made himself the news i mean he had a bad game last week there's no denying it but Jalen Mills also had a bad game, and you haven't really seen haven't seen him kind of seen his name dragged through the mud this week. And I think it's because Ronald Darby decided not to talk after the game, um, even though they won and he had a big interception. And then he didn't talk on the first day availability either. And then he sends out those tweets saying, you know, I'm done with halfway fans. Where you know I'm going to start blocking people. And then he talks about the media saying, you know, you I'm done with you guys too. And he's basically done with the negative attitude. <clears throat> and then yesterday on uh, on Thursday he finally speaks. He talked about uh, how he's sorry that he did it and, you know, all that good stuff, all that 
stuff to kind of get back into good graces of fans. But, you know, we, we were both there. What was your main takeaway from Darby talking to the media? Well, first of all, I think that Darby not talking to reporters after the game, well, I think that that might have been an issue for you and I and all the other reporters. I think what really got him in hot water with the fan base was just the bad optics that Tavares King touchdown he gave yeah. up. I mean, he got beat on a double move, bit on it pretty hard, gave up the big play. And I think that that kind of stuck with fans more so than not talking afterwards. Um, I think it was great that he came out yesterday and apologized for uh, the tweets. He took the tweets down. Um, he probably shouldn't have said those things in the first place. I think that part of that has to do with he came from Buffalo, where the media horde isn't nearly as large. And let's as be honest, here. no media horde in the NFL is as big as the Eagles. Media no, horde. no, no. It's and, an adjustment and, for all players that come yeah, here. Yeah, and and the fans here are certainly a different breed than the fans in most other NFL markets. But I, I thought home really sorry. I thought what he said that was good was he said you know the difference between Buffalo and Philadelphia is in Philadelphia everyone and their mom has a Twitter. Everyone's got a Snapchat. Everyone's got an Instagram. And I think that's been an adjustment for him. I mean, players have to decide if they want to read their mentions or not. And it seems like Darby's decided up until now to read those mentions. And that can be, you know, a mistake for a player. I mean, I know even the media guys get it. So I know sometimes I'm like, "Eh, I don't want to read my mentions today. Like if I have a a take on Alshon or when the whole Jordan Matthews thing was going on, I'm like, "Eh, I could probably avoid my mentions today. But Darby, I can only, so I can only imagine what his are like after the game he had. Um, So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. My biggest takeaway though, from yesterday is I can't remember if it was you who asked him or if it was Jeff McLean of the Inquirer, but somebody asked him if he was 100% healthy, and uh. he said, I feel good. And somebody followed up and said, what does that mean you're 100%? And he said, I feel pretty good right now. That, to me, was telling because yep. you and I have both talked about off the podcast, and I think you wrote about it, that Darby's best game came against the Cowboys, which was his first game back, and he was playing against Des Bryant. Yeah. He has not replicated that level of success, even though he had the nice interception, which changed the game. Eagles were down, I think, 20-7 to at that time. So it was a big play in that moment, and Malcolm Jenkins talked about that the other day. But the fact that he wouldn't commit to saying he was 100% healthy leads me to believe that maybe there's still some lingering effects of that ankle. And that's fine. It was a pretty severe and devastating injury that he had to come back from. But at this stage of the year, you're going to need to have healthy cornerbacks out there. And if Darby's not 100%, and if he's not playing like he's 100%, mm-hmm. maybe this leaves the door cracked open for your boy, Rasul Douglas, to get back in well, the Well, so, all right, I I have a couple thoughts. First is I have a hard time believing that – I'm not saying his ankle is not still bothering him because, I mean, that ankle injury was gruesome. We thought he was only going to be out for the year. And I remember, like, last summer I twisted my ankle, and that thing bothered me for, like, four months. And, I mean, obviously I'm not the elite athlete Ronald Darby is. You didn't break but, it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty close. But regardless, <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine – I'm sure that ankle still bothers him. But here's the reality of the situation. If he's out there playing, it doesn't matter what percent he is, he needs to perform better than he is. So maybe he's not feeling 100%, and I think he, you know, like you said, his first game back against the Cowboys was his best game. So it's hard for me to say that health is an issue, especially when initially the Eagles said he'd be out four to six weeks, which, you know, might have been unrealistic, and he ended up missing 10. So I do think they were conservative in bringing him back. I do think they waited much longer than they needed to because of how well the secondary was playing and who they were playing and all those things. But we can debate whether he's, you know, 50%, 70%, 100%. They play this this upcoming Monday in a big game that they need to win. And then in three weeks, four weeks, they're going to play in a much bigger game where they need Ronald Darby to play better. Yep. And honestly, I don't think it's health. I think this is just who he is. Um, he has elite traits. There's no denying it. He has elite speed. He has good reaction to, you know, jumping to the ball. Uh, he's done a good job this year. Um, coming away with interceptions, but that's not something he's traditionally been good at. But last year in Buffalo, he wasn't that good. So 
I think this is a concern. I think that when you go through, and you know what, let's go through uh, each member of the secondary and just talk about it. Because I think sure. that's the that's the biggest concern right now. I mean, we can debate Foles, but Foles kind of, you know, he's coming off four touchdown game. And, and as far as the secondary goes, and, and I know we're going to get into each of the players who are cornerbacks, but I think mm-hmm. that when you look at this secondary, even though you're not ready to say Ronald Darby is elite, and I don't think that he's by any means an elite cornerback, eh, here we go again with the elite versus number right, one. Right, yeah, here we go. I think that Ronald Darby is this team's best cornerback, and he's probably a top 30 cornerback in the league. That doesn't make him elite by any stretch, but I don't know who on this team outside of Sidney Jones we haven't seen play yet. I don't know anybody that is – has the speed, has the ball skills, um, being around the ball in terms of interceptions and all of those things. I don't know anybody okay. on this team that plays at that level well, consistently as Darby. So I would, I would make the argument this year Patrick Robinson has been their best corner. Now, I understand that's, you know, inside versus outside. So, you know, but I think he's been their best corner this year. And the thing about Darby is I agree with what you just said about his skills, but what what's it gotten him? I mean, he wasn't really good last year in Buffalo. He's struggled this year. Whenever he's played, I mean, in the preseason, he struggled. I know he had that interception, but he also got beat by Devontae Parker deep down the field. And then in the first game against Washington, he got beat by uh, Troll Pryor deep down the field. It was just an incomplete right. pass. So he has not played that well this year. Um, so let's go through each guy, and uh, we're going to use pro football focus as numbers because they, they track, you know, catches allowed, yards, and everyone's going to say they hate pro football. Pro, pro football focus, but when it comes to cornerback stats, it's pretty easy to to keep. So we'll start with Ronald Darby since we were just talking about him. So he's only played 194 snaps in coverage this year, um, obviously because he missed 10 weeks, but 24 catches allowed, 309 yards, one touchdown, two interception. And for what it's worth, over the last five weeks when he's been back, they have him ranked 70th of the 74 cornerbacks in terms of coverage that have played at least 50% of their defensive snaps. So the numbers, according to Pro Football Focus, kind of back up what we've seen. Um, so we've talked about a little, but I'll just ask you simply, what's your level of confidence in Ronald Darby heading into the playoffs? Um, confidence in terms of what he's going to be able to contribute, in terms of how well he's Confidence in like... You think, all right, so it's going to be divisional round. They're, yeah, it's pl- be they're playing Joe the Falcons. Jones, right, exactly. Uh, I, you know, I, I'd say 70% on the wow. high end, low end probably around 50%. I mean, listen, he's not he's not Darrell Revis in his prime. I don't think that right. anybody is going to, you know, make that case. But I, I also don't think that there's anybody else in this secondary that is better equipped to go up against those receivers. See, I think, all right, so we'll get into this guy next, but – Look, I know Jalen Mills didn't have a good game either, but I and Jalen Mills' stats aren't good. I mean, Pro Football Focus has him at 579 snaps, so he's played almost you know almost three times as much as Darby. But he's been has. fully healthy, right? Yeah. Um, 61 catches allowed, 588 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. So <clears throat> obviously, that's a lot of touchdowns, and that's not good. And that is the thing with Jalen Mills. And they he have seems him like- rated at what number? I don't have that one, but gotcha. I'm guessing it's not. A, <laughs> I'm guessing it. I'm Probably guessing it's lower than 72. Nah, I don't know actually, because I mean, it may, maybe it now actually after that last game. But the thing with Mills is Mills is extremely hit or miss. But I would feel just as confident with Mills guarding Julio Jones as I would Ronald Darby. I mean, I think Mills has like has that attitude to do it, and I think he played well against Julio last year when given the opportunity. I mean, he did struggle against Odell, but they're not going to see him in the playoffs. So. My, well, first, before we move completely on to Jalen Mills, my confidence level 
in Ronald Darby is I know if I don't know if I can put a number on it, but it's low. Just because I if he's not a hundred percent and this is what you're gonna get, that's a concern. If he is a hundred percent, this is what you're gonna get, that's well, a concern that, that, too. That's where my grade is at, assuming that he's a hundred percent healthy. I mean if he's if we've come but to But it kinda find doesn't out, really matter if he's a hundred percent because the chance of him getting a hundred percent between now and the playoff game, if he's not yet are slim have because a week to rest. Well right? but he's he's practicing basically every day. He's gonna play at least one game, maybe two. Um, I just think in season, it's very hard for these guys to completely recover from injuries if it's as serious as that ankle I don't disagree, was. but let's just say for the sake of argument, the Eagles beat the Raiders or, and this is even more unlikely, that the Vikings lose to the Packers. Right. That's going to mean the Eagles have everything wrapped up. So you can conceivably not play Ronald Darby against the Cowboys. Then you have the bye week. So that's two weeks to prepare for the postseason, two weeks to get healthy. And I think that that's where, if there are lingering effects from the injury, he's healthy enough to play. Now, he didn't play well right. against the Giants, but I think we both agree he played exceptionally well against Des Bryant and the Cowboys. Right, but then he was bad against the Seahawks, and I thought he was bad against the Rams, too. So, okay. Right, but my point is, if you get two weeks to prepare, I think that gets you two weeks closer to what you were when you were fully healthy, because there have been three weeks of wear and tear on the ankle since he came right. back. No, look, I mean, there's no denying rest is going to help. I just think at this point, he is who he is, and I think this is what you're going to get. So my confidence level is low in him going in. Now, okay. Jalen Mills, let's move on to him. I already said his stats, so, you know, 61 catches, 588 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Obviously not good. He's hit or miss. He's dealing with an ankle injury this week too. So um, I believe he tweaked it during that Giants game. Um, look, he needs he came to came pl- out for a couple of plays, if I remember. Yeah, and he needs to play better too. Yep. I mean, now he – I think has been better this season than Darby has, even though the stats don't indicate it. Just the eye test, I feel like he's been better. And I also think he's had tougher matchups. He's played more. That being said, he was also really bad against the Giants. And he has to step it up and play better too. And that it really compounds the concern with Darby that if Darby's not playing well and Mills, and you have your both two outside guys really struggling. And that's really bad news because they're going to face good quarterbacks and good receivers in the playoffs. So my confidence level in Mills... I don't want to say low, but it's it's right at about I would say on the lower end of of fifty percent, just because he has struggled these last few weeks. Now he's dealing with the ankle injury, and yeah, I mean that that would be mine. Where are you at with him? You know, I'd probably put him somewhere around fifty percent. I mean, he's had some good games, he's had some nice matchups, but. Other than the interception in week one against Kirk Cousins, I don't know if there's a signature moment for Jalen Mills on the season. Not Mm -hmm. that that's the be-all, end-all, but just goes to show that I don't think that he's played exceptional. I think he's been serviceable, and I think we talked about this on the Hot Take Pod with Joe Giglio on Tuesday. I think the secondary in general has kind of outplayed our expectations this year, Mm -hmm. but... I think that that's starting to come back to the mean now that you've played some elite quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, like Goff, and whatever happened against Eli Manning with that quick release to those receivers. Um, We're going to get a a better indication of these guys against Derek Carr because he is another guy who gets rid of the football quickly, and he certainly is a cut above what Eli Manning is this year. But just in terms of Jalen Mills, I'd say probably around a 50% confidence level with him. All right, Patrick Robinson cleared from concussion protocol this week he will likely play against the Raiders barring any type of setback which is very good news for the Eagles because as I said at the beginning I think he's probably been their best cornerback this year Um, 437 snaps combination of outside and inside but mostly in the slot Uh, 40 receptions allowed 535 yards three touchdowns three interceptions 
I think he's played better than those numbers indicate too, although those numbers are not bad. But I think he's been a real game changer for them because his ability to play the the nickel cornerback position has allowed them to really pick and choose when they want to put Malcolm Jenkins down in there. And in turn, you've seen Jenkins play better at safety and you've seen him play better when he is in that nickel role, which is something he struggled with last year. My level, my level of confidence in Patrick Robbins going into the playoffs is very high. I think he has, you know, each week, basically no matter what matchups he's had, he's played very well with it. Um, he's able to cover those quicker, smaller guys, which teams are playing more and more in the slot these days. So, you know, barring the, barring the concussion not completely changing everything, and I guess we'll get a preview of that on Monday night, I think my confidence level him in is very high. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd probably say with Patrick Robinson, I'm somewhere between a 70 and an 80% in terms of what you're going to be getting from him in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start looking at these offenses, you're going to have to take away the quarterback. You're going to have to take away Breeze, take away Ryan, take away Goff, take away Newton, Keenum only threw three incompletions last week. So you're going to need to get strong play from your secondary. That includes the slot. So I think that Robinson... Um, you know, we never would have thought this going into the year. I know. And, and I don't know that even, and again, this is something to talk about in February and March before free agency. I don't know that Robinson's played well enough for you to bring him back because you have so much young depth at corner. But just going into the postseason, I think you can make case that, that Patrick Robinson might not be their best cornerback, but he's been their most consistent through the course Well, and of see, the that is one reason why I would strongly consider bringing him back, just because... Darby's struggle had been up and down. You don't know what Sidney Jones is going to be. Jalen Mills has been solid, but again, he's not spectacular. So I would bring Robinson back depending on the price, but again, that's something we're going to have to debate in February or March. But both of our confidence levels seem pretty high. Now, here's another guy that's been in the news this week, Rasul Douglas. Healthy scratch last week, um, which... Look, on one hand, I think it was a mistake, but on the other hand, there's no denying the special teams played better with Brian Brayman out there. Now, he didn't block a kick, but he did things to help lead to that, and he, he had a good game on special teams. So, Rasul Douglas this season, 248 snaps in coverage, 27 catches allowed, 360 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I think he's played pretty well when he's been out there, and especially given the circumstance of what you the, – the expectations of what you could have expected from him – do you dress him this Monday against the Raiders? I feel like you almost have to just because of Robinson's concussion and Mills' ankle. Um, my confidence level in him, had if he had to start a game, just because he's never played in a playoff game and he's a rookie, there would be that concern. But I have just as much confidence in him as I do Ronald Darby or Jalen Mills. I would play Rasul Douglas. I, I don't know. Let me walk that back. I would dress Rasul Douglas on Monday night because – for all of the things you outlined, the uncertainty about Patrick Robinson with the concussion and what you're going to be um, getting from him. But I I think you need to play him just for depth. I mean, let's just say that Robinson gets hurt or Jalen Mills tweaks the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. You're one snap away from Corey Graham playing or, cornerback. Yeah, Jalen Watkins. Or Jalen Watkins, which I don't think that if you're the Eagles, you're feeling all that warm and fuzzy about that prospect. I would sit Brian Brayman this week. I, th- mm-hmm. I know why you did it, because you signed him and you wanted to give your special teams a boost. But if I'm the Eagles going into this game against Oakland, I'm playing Rasul. I'm dressing Rasul Douglas, and if I have to play him, I feel a lot better about that than playing Graham or playing Jalen Watkins. Yeah, and look, now we can move on to the Oakland Raiders, but to one last thing on the secondary – 
it's going to be a big week for them because, you know, we talk every week and it's a phrase a lot of people like to use, but like blueprint. Did another team give a blueprint on how to beat the Eagles, like whether it's on offense or defense? I do think the Giants have shown this season how you beat this Eagles defense and it's get the ball out quick and it's make their corners tackle. And the scary part about that for the Eagles is Eli Manning's good at getting the ball out quick. So yep. from that regard, he is a good quarterback to do it. But the receivers that the Giants had were not that good and Eli Manning's not played that well this season. When they face a team in the playoffs, and we're going to say this phrase a lot over the next two weeks because that's just kind of what we're waiting for at this point. When they face a team in the playoffs, it's going to have a better cornerback and a better receiver, qu- quarterback and a better better set of receivers. It's going to be a major issue because they're going to be better at it than the Giants are, in my in my opinion, in terms of making them get the ball out, in terms of getting the ball out quick and making the Eagles tackle. So let's get into the Oakland Raiders with that. Um, you mentioned when we were coming up to do this podcast, Derek Carr is the one that's really good at getting the ball out yep. quick. Um, what type of matchup problems do you see with the Eagles? Uh, no, we're not going to go position by position, but just in terms of the Eagles secondary versus the Raiders. Uh, well, I think it's going to come down to Crabtree against Darby in the secondary. I mean, we don't know how healthy Amari Cooper is and what he's going to be I, able to bring I think in. I've seen he probably won't play. So if that's the case, Crabtree's probably their best receiver, so you're probably going to line up um, – Darby against him, but right. the bigger issue, like you just touched on and we talked about before we started recording the podcast, their car gets rid of the ball quickly, and that's what Matt Ryan does. That's what Drew Brees is starting to do a lot more of in New Orleans in support of that running game with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. This is going to be a, a nice dress rehearsal for the playoffs. I said this on Fox 29 on mm-hmm. Friday morning that you know you had your issues against Eli Manning, and that was because of how quickly he gets rid of the ball and because the Giants run up tempo. I don't think the Raiders run as much up tempo, no huddle offense as the as the Giants do. Um, so against the Raiders, if you're the Eagles, hopefully you're able to get your personnel packages set up front right. because they weren't able to pressure Eli Manning, and that was the big concern. So the big matchups in terms of the Raiders' offense against the Eagles' defense. I think it's the pass rush getting to Carr, and it's what your secondary is able to do against Crabtree. And if you can limit Carr's ability to get rid of the football, then you make them one-dimensional. You force Marshawn Lynch to beat you, and he only has something like 659 yards. Yeah, the 25th so in the league. Well. 25th in the league right now in rushing yards. So the, they should not be able to run the ball against the Eagles, which you know obviously is good because then it forces them to pass it. They've been a good passing team. 16th in the NFL right now in passing yards, 233 yards per game. But one matchup I. I think is in the Eagles' favor, but they absolutely have to win, is Malcolm Jenkins versus Jared Cook, whoever they end up putting on him. Because with Amari Cooper not playing, a lot of pressure is going to go on Michael Crabtree. But Jared Cook is a very, very serviceable tight end, obviously. I mean, think he's been one of their better players this year. So the, the Eagles have to win that matchup yep. in order to get things going. Um, the other thing with the Raiders is, and we can get into this a little more when we talk about uh, our final picks, but they're not a team that's been blown out. I mean, they're, they've been a disappointing team this year. But each week, their games are really close. And I think that's because they just simply have a lot of talent on the team. I don't think they have a good coaching staff. Uh, not a big Jack Del Rio guy. Um, I think you might see some changes there this offseason. I don't Der- think there's much chance at all that Jack Del Rio's back next Right. Year. I mean, but they have a good offensive line. Derek Carr is one of the better young cornerbacks. Marshawn Lynch is kind of over the hill, but he's still, you know, he's a name and he's a hard runner. He's capable of making plays. So, I mean, they do have talent on offense. So it is going to be a big test for this Eagles defense. And you need to see a good performance from them because this is probably their last dress rehearsal prior to to the playoffs. Yep. So the, it, it is a tough matchup. Like if they come out and hold this team to, 
I don't know, 17 points, that will be a good showing. I mean, this isn't going against the Cleveland Browns. Even though the Raiders aren't really playing for anything, and the Eagles might not be there by the time the game happens, you still want to see them come out and have a good game. Yep, and I think that in terms of the offense, we haven't really touched on Nick Foles at all because we talked about him a lot. Yeah, let's talk about the Eagles offense versus the uh, Raiders defense. But I think that the one matchup that's going to define the entire game for the Eagles offense is Lane Johnson against Khalil Mack. And Mack has 10.5 sacks, one of the more disruptive defensive ends in the league, one of the top defensive players overall in the league and I talked to Lane Johnson about that matchup on Thursday and Lane said that you know Khalil Mack is the number two defensive end in football behind Von Miller he feels that strongly about him and he said that just like all the other guys that he's beaten Demarcus Lawrence and Von Miller and and Ryan Kerrigan it comes down to beating him off the snap count because the one thing with Khalil Mack is that if he gets an offensive tackle's hips turned around because of that Mm -hmm. explosiveness and you're you're playing catch up Lane said flat out that when your hips get turned around as alignment against Khalil Mack, he just does what he wants with you. So yeah. you have to beat him on that first step. You have to beat him with explosiveness. I feel real confident in Lane, Lane Johnson against Khalil Mack. Um, but if Mack somehow wins that matchup or they move him to the left side, they like to move him around, they put him up against Halapulavidi Vitae and he wreaks some havoc on Nick Foles. It could get a little hairy for the offense because I think that Foles played well on Sunday against the Giants. I think he played well enough to win a playoff game. But coming against that sort of pressure is going to be a real litmus test for him this week. Agreed. If he faces a lot of pressure. So let me ask you this. If the if the if for whatever reason the Vikings do lose, do you play the starters? I'd probably play him for a half. I think that um there is a lot of value in getting some more playing time with Foles, with Alshon Jeffrey, and with Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz. I think you need to develop a little bit more rhythm with him. I mean, you can't let him go one full game before going into the playoffs. Right. But I don't think I'd play them a full game. I think you get him a half, get him some work in, and then you put him on bubble wrap until January. Yeah, I do think getting Nate Sudfeld some snaps is important at this point. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been as important if Wentz was still healthy to get Wentz. That would have been a move you do more just to protect Wentz. But now that Wentz is out and Foles is in, you do need to get Sudfeld felt some snaps because he's never taken a snap in a regular an NFL regular season game. So let's get to our predictions. Um, look, from the second the schedule came out, even when the Raiders were projected to be really good and the Eagles were projected to not make the playoffs by a lot, I thought this was a win. I just think the spot is really good. I think you get him getting him at home, getting him Christmas night. I think this is the spot the Eagles step up to. I do think it's going to be close, though. The Raiders, as I mentioned, a lot of their games have been really close. Um, I think like half of their, almost all of their losses, or half of them or something like that, I'll have to look it up, um, are by seven points or less. So they've, they've been in competitive games. Um, I'm going to pick the Eagles to win this one, though. Yep. Uh, I think I'm going to go Eagles 27, Raiders 24. So do we need the asterisk? No asterisk. Could... <laughs> no asterisk. Right, we'll leave that on the shelf. I'm going to pick yeah. the Eagles to win this one 24 to 13. I think it might be 13. Close. All right. Close early. I just the Raiders really don't have much to play for at all. Right. The Eagles, I think, are still going to need this game in terms of home field advantage because I do think the Vikings take care of business in Lambeau on Christmas Eve. Not having Aaron Rodgers is a pretty big blow to the Packer offense, and they were eliminated on Monday night. So I think the Eagles need the game. I think they play like they need the game. The defense is going to come out, and I think that they're going to have to they're going to have to show you something because yeah. this is probably their last chance to right the ship before playoff time so i like the eagles 24 raiders 13 and uh we'll see what happens all right so this we says as we said this is the last one before christmas so we'll have the post pod for you after the game on monday night um if you stay up to watch it we'll have that for you uh 
if not late Monday night, it'll definitely be in your uh, podcast app by Tuesday morning. So make sure you subscribe. We really appreciate everyone that does. And everyone out there, have a good Christmas. And Matt, I will talk to you on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas and talk to you guys at the game. <laughs>